by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We've been in a series entitled God on Earth. Uh, I don't know why, but us carnal people, the, these flesh beings that we are, we often think of God as far away, right? Well, God's up in heaven. I'll see him one day. You know, I'll throw up my prayers and hope they, you know, get to heaven. Hopefully he'll hear me every now and then. But the reality is that God is on the earth today. In fact, he's not very far from you believers. <laughs> he, because it's always been his plan to be with his people and it's always been his plan to be in his people. Let me pray. Father, I just pray that I will speak the very oracles of God, the unadulterated word of God, like Pastor Vickers says. We don't taint it with this or that or our opinions, but we let the word of God speak. We don't let traditions of man, old religious ideas come in between us and what you want for our lives. You've spelled it out, Lord, and let that word speak to the hearts. Now, our job, Lord, as, as it's spoken, is to open our ears. Let he who hath ears hear what the Spirit of God would say to them. Open your ears today. Open your eyes. And open your heart to receive. Father, we, we proclaim your love for us today. We proclaim that we want more of your glory. More of your Spirit. And we pray, we, we pray that uh, all that's done here today would bring glory and honor to the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And it is in, in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. I wrote this to get started. Natural man is naturally spooked by a supernatural God. Do you agree? I know all you saints got those halos on, and you, no, I'm not spooked by anything by God. And that's good, but you didn't get there naturally. You had to begin, some of you were spooked by a long praise and worship service today. You're like, I don't know about this church, right? <laughs> Seriously, it's okay, I understand. We all are growing in our ability to handle spiritual matters natural man is naturally spooked by a supernatural god but the thing is is in jesus said in john chapter 4 verse 24 that god is spirit with a capital s so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth so if you want to worship him in truth, you've got to worship him in spirit. You have to tune in to the spiritual channel of God. We all go, I don't want to do that. Can he speak audibly? Why do I have to channel through the channel that he is? Because he's God. And if you want to worship him, you worship him on his terms. He 
is the Spirit, and they who worship. Let me not get ahead of myself. Pastor Robert Jeffries, he's a Baptist preacher, I think, out of uh, First Baptist Houston or Dallas, one of those. I was listening to him on the radio this week. He said something along these lines. This is not in quotations, but something along these lines. He said, many of us are practicing atheists, though we profess to be Christians. Ouch, pastor. I'm glad I, he said it, not me. Many of us are practicing atheists, though we profess to be Christians. In other words, many of us may have our ticket stamped and we're, we're saved, but we live like the world. We practice the way we live our lives like an atheist would. There, we give no more concern to the things of God and hearing from God and the Spirit of God and, and don't let Him use us any more than anybody in our job that doesn't know Him. He said, we live our lives totally oblivious to the spiritual realm. And that's what we're talking about this week. But when we do that, it makes us also totally oblivious to the whole reason of the cross of Jesus Christ. What, what did Jesus come here to do? Restore relationship with the Father, who is a spirit. He came for life and peace to be restored. Would you agree? Romans 8, chapter 6, I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. In other words, letting your old carnal flesh. See, mm, God is always trying to tell us, you're acting like mere humans. But somebody with God on the inside should not lie, act like a natural carnal human. When you do that, if you just think in your natural mind, then it's leading to death. But to be spiritually minded. What's it say? In the New Living it says, but letting the Spirit, capital S meaning the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And isn't that what we just said that God came to do through the Lord Jesus Christ to give us life and peace, to restore the relationship with our Father who is a spirit. You see, when we were born, we were born into the sin of Adam. And our spirits were dead. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. Our spirit, man, was dark. And that's the way we were until God sent his son so that when we trust in him, he sends his Holy Spirit into our life to reignite the fire within us. And our spirits become alive. Before Jesus left the earth after he was resurrected, he said, I tell you what, there's this guy you got to meet. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said, and I will send the Holy Spirit and as my Father has promised. But just stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Don't go. Don't go anywhere without him. 
Don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and stay and wait to the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to live this life in the flesh. You're not an overcomer in you. You're an overcomer by me. And I'm going to send my spirit to be with you so that you can be an overcomer in this life. He did not call us to be carnal Christians, but natural humans are naturally spooked by a supernatural God. And that's what we're going to deal with today. That's the whole purpose of this message is try to get you to stop being spooked by spiritual matters. Why are we so awkward around the Holy Spirit? And the main reason that I believe we're awkward around the Holy Spirit is because we don't see him as a person. We've been taught in some, that there's some cults out there that say he's just a spiritual force. He's the power of God, but they don't acknowledge that he is a person. And I want to convince you today that the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, before I got saved, just before I got saved, I was big into toys, you know, like young men typically. I got to have one of everything, a boat and a, a truck and a car, and I got to have, man, if it had snowed enough around here, I'd have a snowmobile, you know what I'm saying? I got to have one of everything. It's all about the stuff. It's who dies with the most toys wins. And I got a hankering for one of those fancy bass boats with the big motor on the back. And I would look at them on Craigslist or whatever it was back then, the, the want ads, I think it was the newspaper back then. And, and I'd look, and I'd like, man, I'm, I can't afford any of this. <laughs> Those things are expensive. But then one day I saw one, and it seemed unusually low-priced. And I said, well, i got to go check this out. So I called my brother Heath, let's go check out this boat. We called and set up an appointment with the guy, and he met us down at Lakeview Lake, and he was going to show us what it would do. And we got in the boat. And it was all shiny and fiberglass, but the thing I liked most about it, it had 150 horse mercury on the back. <laughs> what did Tim Allen say? Oh, oh, oh. We men like them toys. We like horsepower. I was all excited about that. But I was telling Heath, now look, when we get there, don't show any excitement because I'm going to, you know, try to give him a low price on this thing. I'm going to try to get the best price. If you show that you're too interested, then he'll know he's got you. Well, he turned that boat around, and he slammed down on that throttle, and that thing's a come up off the, you know, the boat has to come up on top of water. That thing come up on top of the water like Shamu after a bucket of fried chicken or something, you know. And he took off across there so fast, I ain't never been in a boat go that fast. My eyelids went, they were flapping behind my head like a, I was wearing them like a skull cap, I'm telling you. And I wanted to squeal with delight, but every time I opened my mouth, the slobber would fly out. We would go, I ain't never been on a boat that fast. And he set it down finally and slowed it down. And by the time he did, me and Heath looked at each other like dumb and dumber. <laughs> we were trying to hide our excitement, but I was thinking to myself, I am leaving here with this boat. I don't care what happens next. So we started the negotiations. And my brother Heath, he was over flipping buttons and stuff. And I, what's this do? What's this do? And I looked at him like he was the biggest doofus. But I let him go ahead and ask the questions because I didn't know either. And I, <laughs> he was used to being the doofus, so I let him be the doofus. And he, he would ask the questions, and I, and I was soaking it up. I was acting like I already knew, you know. And then, but he finally hit this one switch, 
and water started shooting out of the boat back into the lake. Like there was water in the boat shooting. Just a big stream. And I thought to myself, whoa. I looked at Heath, and I asked the guy, what's that? Now, he had been all cocky before, but now he was biting his fingernails. Uh, that's, that's called the, the bilge pump. I said, what's that do? He goes, well, it pumps water out of the boat. And I thought to myself, and I said, so you mean you don't have to dip it out by hand? He goes, yeah. I said, whoa, whoa, me and Heath jumped up and gave each other a high five. I pulled my checkbook out and bought that booger right there. No more negotiations. You don't, you don't have to hand dip the water out of this thing. But I didn't think until later, you know, the next time I took it out after I bought it and it almost sank on me, why did it have water in the boat? <laughs> why did it need a bilge pump? It did. It had a, the seam on it was messed up or something. But, but it, thankfully, God was watching out for me even back then. It only cost like $100 to fix or something. And I got it seen back up. And, it, and I remember just having it in the driveway just made me feel like such a man. I'd walk back there and stand beside that 150-horse Mercury in the driveway. And just, That's my motor. Look at all that iron. Men love big things of iron. They just love metal and stuff and a big propeller. And I'd take pictures with it and everything. I had a few guitars like that that I really had an attachment to. You know things can become an idol in your life? I don't know how, is it, is it weird that you could fall in love with an inanimate object? <laughs> but is it, I've seen guys on uh, Craigslist will post a picture of them with a bass guitar playing back in the 1980s or 70s or something. And they'll say, I sold this guitar, but I want it back. I have never been able to get past it. Please contact me if you have this guitar. You've seen that, ain't you? They got to have that. They have, they have never broke that connection between them. That's weird. <laughs> it's weird to have a relationship with an inanimate object. And my point is, is I think that's why a lot of people are hesitant and push the Holy Spirit away. They, they love Jesus. Oh, they acknowledge and love the Father. But the Holy Spirit, that's just power. That's just an inanimate object. But he's not. He is a person. And there's, that makes more sense, right, to, to have a relationship with a person than an inanimate object. So what does personhood require, do you think? What qualifies someone to be a person? They have a soul. You have a mind. You have a will. You have emotions. That's what makes you a person. Are you a person? Do you have a mind, a will, and emotions? How did we get these qualities? Where did we get these qualities? I'm trying to get somebody to help me today. Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So we're made after the image of God. But why did God say in our image to be like us? us was he talking about him and the angels or was he talking about the father the son and the holy spirit 
So if the father has personhood, he has a mind, will, and emotions. We know Jesus did. What about the Holy Spirit? Does he have a mind, will, and emotions? Is he a person? Since God is a spirit, like, like Jesus said, does that separate us from God? No. That's what mostly, that, that's, the, that's what unites us to him. Why? Because we're a spirit too. See, when we were separated, when Adam and Eve sinned, they died. Well, they didn't die. They, they, they kicked them out of the garden and they, they lived to be 900-something years old. Adam lived to be 930 years old outside the garden. He didn't die. God lied. He said, when you eat of the tree, you shall surely... No, he died. He died spiritually. And so when we're born of the bloodline of Adam, we're dead spiritually. I already uncovered this. But when we have to, we ask the Holy Spirit in, when we, when we get saved, he sends his spirit into us crying, Abba, Father. Our spirits become alive, and, and that's what connects us back to God. Does that make sense? John 3, 6 says humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's what happened when you were born again. The Holy Spirit came in and gave you spiritual life. It says, so don't be surprised when, you say, when I say you must be born again. See, he's talking to uh, a religious guy of the time. He's talking to Nicodemus. And some, some fellow that should know all this. He said, but don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. That's what happened. You were dead, but your spirit was made alive, and you were given a new shot at life. You were born again. Everybody knows this, right? The wind blows, and then he, he begins to try to explain the Holy Spirit. And it's hard to explain something you can't see. But he says the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's by faith. Right? You believe and therefore receive. You received it by faith. You didn't see it, but guess what? People soon begin to see by the effects of the wind in your life that something has changed. Something is rearranged. You know, when the wind comes through, things get rearranged. Your life begins to change. Now that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, if, if people can't tell you're saved... And you're not letting the Holy Spirit have his way, I would say. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says, Now we have this light shining in our hearts. See, we were dead. We were dark. Our, our spirits were dark. But God gave light to our spirits. But, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. See, we were just made of the dust of the earth, right? And we're old... You know, dust and, and all the stuff that he put together to form us. And we're just like cracked, broken, old jars that are about to, to fall down. 
But then he sends his spirit in the inside of us, and now all of a sudden those cracks that looked so ugly now begin to let the light shine. And we have this spirit shining in our hearts. And this makes it clear that the great power is from God and not from ourselves because we can't take credit for what God has done in us. The Holy Spirit is our life. And to the degree that you allow Him and trust Him with who you are on the inside is to the degree that your life will bring glory to God, that His light will shine through the cracks of this fragile clay jar. You know, the spirit realm is more real even than the physical realm that we hold on to so dearly. You know, I'm holding on to this pulpit right now. And sometimes we just get so focused on the here and now and we forget that all this is going to pass away. This earth shall be melted with a fervent heat and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And we get so focused. And it's like, we, you know, as pastors, we spend all our time trying to get us to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded because that's the difference in life and death. We've already established. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 Apostle Paul was trying to convince him. He says, we do not look at the things which are seen. Or you could say, we do not focus on those. Well, we look at them. But he said, we don't focus on the things which are seen, but the, the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal in the heavens. So he's trying to get you to stop looking at the situation and start looking at your God. Stop looking at building your kingdom here on this earth and start building the kingdom in heaven where you'll be for all of eternity. The Holy Spirit is not weird. It's us that's weird. We're the ones down here donning these silly little fragile clay earth suits. We're the ones down here that, that need these two little balloons in our chest to breathe this earthly air. We're the ones that are so fragile and have our, our life is but a breath, a moment, you understand. We're the weird ones. We're the ones decaying. Or is there a scripture that, but though my outward man perish, my inner man is renewed day by day. See, you can get old and fragile and you can't, you can't lift the pulpit anymore. You can't even strap on a guitar anymore. But you can still be a powerhouse for God. Because he says, in, my weak, in your weakness, I am made strong. Your inner man is renewed day by day if you renew it. If you trust what God is doing on the inside of you. Y'all ain't saying amen as good as I'm preaching. Amen, brother. I'm sure y'all all know this. Y'all probably all could preach this, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. And we need to trust him. And we need to honor him. We need to respect him. He has a mind and a will and emotions. Jesus said in John 14, 26, that he will teach us all things. How can he teach us unless he has a mind? 
In fact, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. And what I believe he's referring to is the mind of Christ is on the inside of us. The Spirit of God is the mind of Christ. He said, I'll, I'll teach you all things that Jesus said unto you. I'll, I'll bring it to your remembrance. He is the mind of Christ on the inside of us. We have the mind of Christ. So he has a mind. He has a will. In uh, Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul was wanting to go to Asia to minister. And the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not my will right now. I want you to go to Bithynia or somewhere else. And maybe you've had that experience. The Holy Spirit says, no, let's not do that. Let's do this. He was saving you all kind of trouble, wasn't he? He has a will for your life. He has a will for himself. And of course he has emotions. Because in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 it says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Maybe you take him into some places that he grieves for you. It's like, do you really want to be here? Do you really want the wages of what you're sowing right now? He loves you so much you grieve him when you enter into sin and you... And, you go back into the things which he delivered you from. You can insult the spirit of grace in Hebrews 10, 26. He has emotions. But many of us just treat him like he's that wall socket over there. You know, I'm going to plug in when I need power. I need the power of God in my life. I'm going to plug in and walk away. But the Holy Spirit doesn't operate like that. You don't plug in and walk away. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life is shed in your life through the relationship. He's got to have trust in you and you've got to have trust in Him. visit us at www.mypassion.church.